Good morning, Soma. It's good to see all of you this morning. Would you please stand with me as we read the Word of God? We're in Romans 7. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she marries. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. But sin uses command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. If there were no law, sin would not have that power. At one, at one time, I lived without understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. But still, the law itself is holy, and its commands are holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. This is the Word of God. Given to the people of God. Please be seated. And elementary students can be dismissed. Paul wrote this letter to teach the Christians in Rome how to be effective missionaries. And at Soma, we are studying Romans to learn how to be effective missionaries on the east side and in King County. We're not reading it to tickle our intellect. We're reading it because this is the Word of God that penetrates our hearts to equip us to reach our community with the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. 
So last week we saw that Christians are sinners in recovery from being slaves to sin because they have been injected with the cure for sin. And this cure is the forgiveness of sins through Jesus' death and resurrection. You are either a slave to sin or you are either a slave to God in this world. You're a slave to whatever you love the most. But the good news of Jesus transforms and transfers humans from being slaves to sin into being slaves to God. This good news of Jesus that God died 2,000 years ago and rose from the dead three days later to create the cure for sin has been injected into the believer's heart. The love of God has been injected into your heart through the Holy Spirit that Christians receive. That's part of the package of being a Christian. You not only get to follow Jesus and belong to Him, He gives you His Spirit to remind you that He is always with you. And so God now lives inside of you. The Spirit that lives inside of you now causes you To love God and to love others. Without the Spirit, there is no hope to live for God. I had no desire to love Jesus until the Spirit of God woke me up. And the Spirit allows you to be a work in progress because spiritually dead people are incapable of overcoming their own depravity. They would simply be moving furniture around in their heart. Do you have a marriage issue? Let's fix that. Oh, wait, now you have a porn issue? Let's fix that too. Oh, wait, you have anger problems? Let's try to fix that. Do you have an alcohol problem now? Oh, let's try to fix that. Spiritually dead people or slaves to sin, as we talked about last week. They treat their problems like Mario, using the hammer in Super Smash Brothers, trying to fix every problem, but every time they fix one problem, another problem comes up. And that is because the world treats spiritual problems or sin-infected issues with human remedies. The root issue is not the behavior. The root issue is being a slave to sin. What is the remedy? The remedy is to be born again into this world as a slave to God. The remedy is to be born again from being a slave to sin to being born again as a slave to God. Otherwise, you will just need to rely on the self-help section at Barnes & Noble where the problems remain as furniture being shifted around in your heart every time one problem goes away, the next comes up. These are just some of the many benefits when you embrace and own the good news of Jesus Christ. This is not information to digest. 
But transformation that changes your scope of reality and how you live your life and how you raise your family. So last week, the author, Paul, shared how the science of salvation works. We are set free from being slaves to sin in order to become slaves to God. But today, Paul teaches us that not only are we set free from the power of sin, but we are also set free from the power of the law or also known as God's commandments. At the end of last year, Barna released helpful data from recent research they conducted on how the United States is trending when it comes to spiritual hunger. All four of the predominant generations in the U.S. scored in the 70th percentile for wanting to grow spiritually. This research... Wow, I just... My voice just cracked. Woo! Puberty all over again. This research is super helpful. Because I think many of us see that the absence of God creates a disorder of affections. We as a nation, we are completely devoted to what we love the most. But if if what we love the most is out of order, this creates a spiritual hunger that's not being satisfied. And as we talked about last week, Being a slave to anything but God will never satisfy your deepest longings that only God, the author of desire, can satisfy. And what ultimately separates a Christian from growing spiritually and a Christian whose spiritual development is put on pause is a very simple idea. Being teachable. How well do you listen to instruction or feedback? Anyone like being told what to do? Anyone like following the rules? A mentor told me one time years ago that spiritually mature Christians are fat Christians. F-A-T. They are faithful, available, and teachable. Are you faithful, available, and teachable? I used to be, I used to hate being told what to do. (sighs) Hate, I still struggle with it. But I also hate telling others what to do. It's like no matter what I try to do, whether I couch it with gentleness, with love, you know, just what, no matter what. It always stings. I'd love to chat with one of you if you figured it out. If you know how to give feedback well, let me know. And yet the Bible is very clear. Listening is directly correlated with thriving. Listening is directly correlated with thriving. Proverbs 22.4 says, Obey the Lord. Be humble. And you will get riches, honor, and a long life. Proverbs 19.16 says, The one who keeps command preserves himself. One who disregards his ways will die. Psalm 119, verse 97 to 98 says, Oh, how I love your law. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. 
Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. That might have been a shameless plug too, by the way. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. How well do you listen? Could we live in an anarchist society where we did as we pleased and no one ever gave us corrective criticism? I know my children wish for that. A teachable Christian is one who hears God's commandments and wants to do that. A teachable Christian is one who hears instructions from God's people and wants to listen in humility. God's commandments are given to restrain our sin and help us to love God. And so science class is back in session as Paul defends the goodness of God's commandments or the law in the Old Testament. And how without the law, we would not be able to know our need for God. We're going to see today that to properly understand the purpose and value of the law, Paul says we must first be united to Jesus so that we can love God's commands. Be united to Jesus so that we can love God's commands. Be united to Jesus. Place your trust in the reality that the great transaction of Jesus dying to satisfy God's judgment over sinful humanity applies to you. Place your trust in the reality of the great exchange where God died exchanging Himself with you, with what was destined to be your fate. And instead, it became God's fate of being murdered on a cross to absorb the punishment for our sins. Be united to Jesus because He has given you a path for freedom. And the law of God or the commandments of God are not relevant to you after you die. Paul uses the analogy of marriage to paint this picture for us. If you are married, you are in a spiritual union between your husband or wife and in a covenantal or unbreakable relationship between each other recognized by God. And the people of God, this is why we have weddings, the people of God to hold you accountable. The marriage relationship cannot be broken. Go ahead and get a divorce. But in God's eyes, the marital union is still there. With what Scripture is very clear, the exceptions of being abuse and infidelity. But aside from that, you are bound to each other for life until one of you dies. Don't get any ideas, spouses. That was a joke. That was, that was a joke. You are no longer married then. Your marriage will not even apply in heaven. Jesus taught on this when he says, For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. 
In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. Do you realize a Christian marriage has nothing to do with you or your spouse necessarily? Because Christians marry not to gain financial advantages for building wealth or for getting their sexual appetites met. They marry to seek Jesus together in every way, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, physically. They sometimes have children. They are evangelists to introduce people to Jesus. And they serve as siblings within their church community. And they inhabit their context with the saving power and presence of Jesus. Their marriage is to be a picture to the world of God's great affections for His people to the point where He entered human history wearing a dirty skin suit and laying His life down to rescue us from eternal judgment and liberating us from being slaves to sin. But when the husband dies, the wife is free from the law of being in a covenantal or unbreakable relationship marriage with her husband. She is set free. She can remarry if she wants. So what exactly is Paul saying here? A spouse dies and the widower is then free from the law of being bound in a marriage. He can remarry and be joined to a new spouse in the same way. Before you surrendered your life to Jesus, you are married to the law and bound to the law. You are not free from the law. The law owns you. But when you surrender your life to Jesus for the first time, you die to the law through Jesus' death, leaving you free from the law and free to be united to Jesus or to follow the analogy to be married to Jesus. You have died to the law because you died to your old life and were reborn to a new life through the power of Jesus who beat down death by rising from the dead. This is the first step to obeying God. How do you die to the law? Dying to the law is to recognize that absolutely no inch of effort toward obeying the law has any saving power whatsoever. How can a sinner possibly believe that he has any ability to save himself By following a bunch of rules. How can a sinner who possesses thoughts and intentions that are truly committed to the glory of the self be able to find this great and glorious salvation through his dead works? How can a sinner who possesses a sinful heart possibly rescue himself? The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah says this about the human heart. The heart is the most deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Unless you repent and acknowledge your inability to save yourself and cast yourself on the perfect sacrifice of Jesus who lived the perfect life free of sin, then only will you be able to be united with Jesus. Because if the law could actually save us, 
if your good works could actually save you, then why on earth did Jesus die? His death was a waste of his time and our time. I should be flying back to Philly today and get ready for the Eagles to punk the Chiefs next week. We are wasting our time right now. Paul explained this a few chapters ago when he wrote, If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. But if you submit to Jesus Christ in faith, then you will have died to the law, meaning that you no longer need to follow the rule book to get into heaven. The late American theologian R.C. Sproul, one of my personal heroes, says this about Jesus. For us to get right with the Holy God, one of my heroes, do I, am I, do I kind of look like him? Just <laughs> <laughs> For us to get right with this Holy God, our sin must be perfectly punished and God's law must be perfectly obeyed. And that is the great transaction that happened in the incarnation of the Son of God in human flesh. He came to die for our sin and live for our righteousness. If you are free from sin, then you are free from the law. If we are free from the law, then are we to be lawless? As slaves to sin, we are slaves to the law. And the law arouses our desire for sin. Rules were created to be broken, not followed. There is nothing freeing about following rules, is there? (laughs) Corey can preach the sermon. (laughs) In the same way that every person in the world is either a slave to sin or slave to God, Every person is also either enslaved by the law or they are free from the law. When I talk to people about Jesus, sometimes I begin the question, why should God let you into heaven? Well, it's because I'm a good person. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't cheated on my wife. I pay my taxes. I haven't. I, 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 I. This is so sad. Those who rely on their own good works to qualify them for heaven are truly slaves to the law. And they are tricked. They have been duped by the purpose of the law. Our hearts should grieve when you hear someone try to justify their morality based on their human efforts. They have no idea what they're saying. Even those who are lawless and enjoy the rebel life are also still slaves to the law and are also tricked by the purpose of the law. But we who are free from the law, because we are united to Jesus, we don't evaluate ourselves based on the standards of the law. That is a meaningless endeavor. If you are a converted follower of Jesus, 
You are free from the law. And you can recognize that the commandments of God exist to help you comprehend your inability to attain the law. And this realization allows us to truly and genuinely love God's commandments in a way that you never could before. Become united to Jesus so that you can have new desires to love God's law. The second point Paul makes to the Romans is to love God's commands. Love God's commands instead of purposely breaking them. Paul told us earlier in Romans 2 that the law is written on our hearts, which means every human being has an innate sense of right and wrong because of the existence of God. It is the only logical reason for why we have an innate sense of right and wrong. But the law of God Or the commandments of God, such as do not covet, puts language to the depths of our corruption, as it did for Paul in this chapter. He uses coveting as his own personal confession in verse 7. God's commandments show us just how corrupt we are when we sin by breaking the law. This is the sad reality of the human condition today. According to Romans 7, sin becomes even more tempting when we are told not to partake in it. It's like when I tell my my, my daughter Thea, my two-year-old daughter Thea, and she goes to, every day, she goes straight to the switchboard where she flips the light switch on and off, on and off, on and off until the light bulbs stop working. And I tell Thea, don't do it. And then she just wants to do it. In fact, she'll go up to the light switch, the switchboard. She'll look at me with that ridiculously cute smile. Dada. <laughs> love it, love it. I wonder if... Thanks, Brian. That was not part of the script. <laughs> I wonder if I had never told Thea about... If I had never told her not to do it, that she would actually stop. She'd probably get bored. But there's something satisfying about disobeying dad. Or like when me and my friend Bobby and Justin in sixth grade, every day we had our fat winter jackets in in the East Coast. It's much colder than Seattle. And in sixth grade during lunchtime, we just, for whatever reason, every day for two months, five days a week, we would steal a bottle of Dasani water infused and just put it in our puffy jacket every single day. We just enjoyed it. We had fun. We, were, we just loved to sin until the lunch lady caught us. Or when, when Lindsay and I first got married, And then my grandmother had just died a few months later. And all of a sudden, I'm I'm noticing that I just really like drinking alcohol every night. And I'm drinking way more than I need to be. And I needed to drink alone every night. Until Lindsay said, you should probably knock that off, should you? Caught! The knowledge of sin 
can motivate you to sin. Proverbs 9.17 says, Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. Just like when I drank alone. My, my, my nightly secret addiction, not, 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 this is not alcohol, not my nightly secret addiction. It was just when I first got married that had that unfortunate moment grieving over my grandmother's loss. But my nightly secret addiction on the East Coast was a box of cheese that's extra cheesy flavor and a white chocolate bar of Giardelli's. It was every night. I would eat the whole box. Until I got caught. (laughs) And then I had to cut it out and go to the gym. What sins are you holding on to that God has made crystal clear is evil? You can't really be enjoying it, can you? Do you understand that sin is designed to ruin you and presses pause on anything that God has been trying to work on in you? Because here's the very next verse. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. What sins are God calling you to courageously repent of? Because you can't depend on the law or your efforts to save you or to help you. Instead, the law is telling you to follow Jesus for salvation. Because the purpose of the law was executed when Jesus was executed on the cross and rose from the dead. He fulfilled its purpose. The law is an expression of God's holiness. God's commandments are holy, just, and good. The law of God is good because He is by nature good. But when we rely on the law or rely on the Ten Commandments or good works to save us, we turn it into an occasion of death. God's commands will condemn us if we rely on them to save us. God's commands will condemn you if you rely on it to save you. Sin has manipulated the law to make humanity even more grounded in their sinful state. Sin wants you to say, I'm a good person. I haven't killed anybody. I followed this. I did this. That's what sin wants. That's what the enemy wants you to say. So you can be more grounded, more established, more founded in your identity as a slave to sin. Because His commandments were given to restrain us from what we are actually capable of. That's why God's commandments exist. To restrain us from our total depravity. Imagine if we lived in a world without laws. In this kind of world, I would be hiding in a cave and would not want to bring any children into the world. I would... 
ask my parents, what on earth were you thinking to bring me into this world of complete misery? And sin is why humanity has a ruptured relationship with God. Is the law bad like sin is? Paul emphatically states that the law is good, but it was never given to humanity with the expectation that we would perfectly follow it. But to point humanity to our need for something greater than ourselves to save us. The law was given to be a mirror for you and I to admit that we are incapable of meeting the standards of the law. The law was given to show us our sinfulness. The German reformer Martin Luther writes this about the law. Sin is indeed in man, but no one knows it until man learns to know the law. Then he burns all the more with the fires of sin, though this is not the fault of the law, but it is by grace that the fire of sin is extinguished. God's commandments reveal to us our inability to love God on our own. Did you catch that? God's commandments reveal to us our inability to love God on our own. For those of you who are counting on achieving God's law to get you into heaven, have you kept the law perfectly? Are you meticulous in keeping score of your sin record? Do you see the impossibility behind this? I can't tell you again how many conversations I've had with people about Jesus with the response being, Should you, what are you talking about? I'm a good person, bro. I haven't done anything terribly wrong. Of course I'm going to heaven. You make it sound like I'm Ted Bundy or Osama Bin Laden. The law blinds them. And they never see their inadequacy to follow it. They don't recognize that the law demands perfect obedience. They fail to see that obeying God's commandments perfectly is the benchmark for adequacy with God. Because their pride deceives them into believing they think that they have what it takes to somehow earn salvation. Again, R.C. Sproul writes this about how blind non-Christians are to their own depravity. The non-Christian walks around. They're virtually oblivious to the radical disobedience that he exhibits every hour of his life. He may be willing to admit that he is not perfect, That nobody is perfect. But he doesn't feel the weight of it. You see what he's saying? Sure, they'll say nobody's perfect. But they don't understand the weight of sin that clouds over them. The weight of judgment of the law that clouds over them. Are you comfortable in your sin? Imagine if you could comprehend the depths of your depravity, Christian and non-Christian. Imagine then the kind of humility your life would possess, Christian. 
If you truly understood what God has saved you from and what he is still saving you from, yourself. We need the law to shake us out of that comfortable place. The law is the mirror that allows us to see ourselves for what we really are. Do you see what you really are when you look in the mirror of the law? What do you see? I pray that you see Jesus in the mirror. He is the only way you can be free from the law. Be united to Jesus and love God's commands. How should we respond? I just noticed there's a timer up there. Nice, Brian. How should we respond? Will you listen to God by being united with Jesus and loving God's commands more than your sins? If there is one thing you learn from my semi-funny sermon today, it is that becoming united to Jesus means you no longer have to prove yourself to anybody. You are free from the burden of achievement. And you are free to love God's commandments because He set you free. You love His commandments not to earn His love, but you love His commandments because you are already so deeply loved by Him. I want to invite you now to repent from relying on your own human effort and be free from the power of the law over your life. Turn to Jesus for everlasting freedom and joy. Has sin manipulated the law in your life and grounded you into an addiction? Or do you have sins tucked away that you are not ready to expose, but that are secretly ruining you? I invite you to change your mind and your heart about your secret sin. Ask God for forgiveness to set you free from it. Listen to what King David said about keeping sin tucked away. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Family, I invite you to turn to Jesus as the one who makes you worthy before God and hide in his cure for your sins. I'm reminded of the incredible song written in 1763 that we often sing, even today. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from the wounded 
side which flowed. Be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I fa- Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. May we seek Jesus together and inhabit the east side and in King County with His saving power and presence. Will you pray with me? Family, would you consider these questions as we go before the Lord? What have you put your confidence in that gives you value other than Christ? Would you reflect on that? Have you been enjoying this imaginary self-righteous power to not forgive someone? Repent of your self-righteousness. Turn from it and put your hope in God. Family, what is keeping you from surrendering your life to God and be united to Jesus? Will you put your faith and trust in Jesus to be a Christian? Brother or sister, if you have been feeling the weight of guilt in your heart and you need God's help, can I ask you to raise your hand to pray for you? Father, I thank you for your holy law, your precious word, that David often, he writes scripture just to talk about how much he loves scripture, and he says, oh, how I love your law, it is my meditation all the day, I think about it all day long. He says that your word, your law is sweeter than honey. He says that you He treasures your word in his heart so that he may not sin against you. So, Lord, you have given us your word. And David also says that your word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. We'll be able to feast on the scriptures, this timeless text for eternity. May you help us, Lord, to be united with Jesus and to love your law deeply. May we drink from it daily. Father, I pray for my family here, Lord, anyone who has, is carrying guilt, who's struggling this morning because of a circumstance, a situation. Father, would you cover them with the freedom of Jesus that is found in his forgiveness. 
May they run to your forgiveness for freedom from the guilt. May they find rest and joy in you. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. In Jesus' name, amen. In a moment, we're going to take time for communion. And if you are a follower of Jesus today, I welcome you to feast with us. This is the, celebra- this is the celebration part of our service, where we reflect on our sins, and we turn from it, and we celebrate God's faithfulness to his people by sending his son into human history to get rocked on a cross and by rising from the dead he gave us salvation a relationship with him he gave us a spirit and we get to reflect on his fractured body and his blood that was shed spilled on a cross so that we can be free for eternity no longer bound by the law no longer slaves to sin I love you all